the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, we're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And in today's episode, we have got an aeronautics aerial flight episode <laughs> that we are giving you nothing but the best. Uh, we are doing 1986 Top Gun as our movie breakdown, and then we are going to review the 80s show Airwolf. That was uh, all about this sweet-ass helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, I think we've talked about it maybe once before or twice before on the uh, podcast, only when we've like talked about some badass theme songs and stuff like that, which we'll talk to about, of, of course, when we get right. to that uh, part of the episode. And then our casting, we are going to be doing a recasting of the film Top Gun, and I know people are like, what, what, what? They got a sequel coming out. Um, why do you even need to recast it? It's like, well, because, I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> because it's fun? It's fun, exactly. I think it'd be kind of fun to be like, hey, what if it wasn't a sequel, but what if they were rebooting Top Gun? Who would you put in as your Maverick and your Goose and et cetera, et cetera? And so we are going to be doing that casting, which I was very happy with my my people, not going to lie. I'm not going to lie, actually. I'm extremely happy with my cast. <laughs> Okay, cool, cool. All right, so this year, 1986, what, my man, Mr. John, happened in that year? Well, uh, this has definitely been a good year for movies because we've talked about 1986 a few times. Uh, But Top Gun itself came out on May 16th of 1986. The Billboard Top 100 song of that week was West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys. So I don't recognize that song at all, but dear God, is it very 80s. Like, holy shit. I kind of I kind of forget about Pet Shop Boys. And then when I hear them, I'm like, oh, man, you are, you're so 80s. You're so that, what is it, British New Wave or whatever that is. Right. I like the song. I actually enjoy it. Yeah, I don't dislike it, but it is, it's, uh, it, it screams 1986. And uh, <laughs> so that makes yep. sense. Uh, no surprise, uh, topping the Nielsen ratings in 1986 was The Cosby Show. So I'm I'm yeah. sure anytime we talk about a movie in the mid to late 80s, the Cosby show is probably going to be uh, top of the Nielsen ratings there. Yep, yep, probably. On the New York Times bestseller list was a book called A Perfect Spy by Jean Lacaire. So with the, when we talk about like our, our movie and our TV th- show, it's going to be like, oh yeah, I've, I've more than likely I've probably heard it or heard of it. And you're talking about the national bestseller. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, I read. I'm a good reader. <laughs> no, I just... Oh uh, yeah, I like I like my TV and well, movies and my songs I know, but and my was, stuff. What, what was on the? It was funny because I looked on the list and I saw a book and, and I was like, oh yeah, I I know that book or at least I know of the book because they made a movie of it. Um, but then I looked in the week and I was looking at the wrong week. But the the week before this oh. was um the born not the born identity but whatever it was like the born um ultimatum is that yeah it, born ultimatum so that was the one that was the week before uh and then something else something else that happened in 1986 was the statue of liberty's torch was replaced uh they replaced the copper plating with gold 
so that it did not oxidize. So the torch is gold, but the rest of her is green. Okay, yeah, uh, that's why that's why it stood out. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, that's cool that it was eighty six. I thought it might have been earlier than that because obviously I remember the torch always kind of being a different color. So I I actually didn't look up the reason though. I wonder why they felt they needed to do that. Who knows? Yeah, because you know they don't have enough tax dollars on other <laughs> stuff uh, or could be used for good stuff. Let's just you know make sure that it looks like gold. It's got to look like a flame. Yep. Woo! Way to go! Spend all that money, fucking Reagan. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. He took it from the hard workers of the middle class and he put it onto the fucking Statue of Liberty. All right, sorry, I'm just, bitching. I'm just, I'm just kind of being a dork right here. So, all right, cool. That was a good, interesting fact, Mister Mister John. <laughs> Sounds like you're about to wrap it up with that. Yeah, that was 1986. Okay, cool. I'm sorry, I kind of. Kind of went off on my own little tangent. All right, we don't have any sponsors on this episode or anything, but we did get a new rating on Apple Podcasts, which I am very excited about. Thank you, Mark Delaware. Uh, Your review was uh, entitled Highly Entertaining, and you said, Robocop being rated R and then PG-13, board games, hair metal. The past was weird as bleep, but oh boy, is this podcast worth the trip back to memory lane. The hosts have great chemistry, friends just discussing the past. We're not just friends, actually, we're brothers, but (laughs) it's okay. I've been doing the rounds for like three hours now, and I'm probably going to keep going as it seems definitely worth the listen. Jump into the past and enjoy funny, casual discussions on it, like talking with friends about our childhood. Worth it. Wow, that was was a big, in-depth, full one. Uh, but I appreciate you, Mr. Delaware. You did a fantastic job reviewing with a five-star review there. So thank you very much. If anybody else there out there wants to rate or review us, I love seeing their feedback and the reviews. So feel free to add it in there. And it also helps with our algorithm, you know, of the podcast and whatnot to help get us be seen and help us grow and all that jazz stuff, which we want as well. We want to grow. Yeah. <laughs> so help us out. With that being said, we are going to spread our wings and we're going to, I'm, if you can't tell, John, I'm kind of being like an aerial guy, um, <laughs> kind of how you did with your kid. You're just sitting there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. We're going to do that into Top Gun. Top Gun 1986. This movie was directed by Tony Scott. R.I.P. You would know him from some other solid movies. uh, Man on Fire, Enemy of the State, Days of Thunder. That was also with Tom Cruise. uh, Plenty of others. Let's see. It was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who also wrote some other awesome stuff, including Turner and Hooch, Mm. uh, Legal Eagles, which may not be (laughs) awesome. Uh, The movie Dick Tracy, which I know you're a fan of, and eventually we'll probably get to it eventually. And then also Anaconda. Oh, that wasn't a highlight of their writing career. This film was produced in part by Jerry Brockheimer, who is a now legendary producer. The guy is massive when it comes to like action films and whatnot. So things like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Armageddon, Black Hawk Down, but literally like a million things he has been a producer on. So um, that that guy is awesome. Music in this film was done by Harold Faltermeyer, who we talked about back in the Running Man episode, Mm. Uh, but also he did the music for Beverly Hills Cop. That theme song is probably his most famous piece of work. Oh, I want to call out one of the editors in this film. This editor, Chris uh, Lebenzen, um, he edited 
uh, just a whole bunch of stuff uh, between Batman Returns, Armageddon, Con Air, and then he kind of did a whole bunch of Tim Burton stuff, including Mars Attacks and pretty much almost everything like around that and afterwards. But I think it's kind of cool. He is set to edit the Top Gun sequel. That's that his uh, oh, is coming nice. out as well. So at least he's probably at, in he's probably in post post production right now with it. Yeah. So. I guess they liked him enough to bring him back, which is cool. Oh, nice. Good for him. Mm-hmm. All right. This movie stars Tom Cruise as Maverick. I don't need to talk about Tom Cruise. He's fucking Tom Cruise. I'm not, <laughs> not going to say what else he's been in. Anthony Edwards plays Goose. And you probably remember, remember him most from ER. He was one of the early main doctors in that show. Mm-hmm. Kelly McGillis plays Charlie. And she was in the movie Witness with... Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford, and then some other things. So she's yeah. been around. Witness is the only other thing I could pinpoint. Yeah, that's why I, she was in plenty of stuff, but Witness, Witness was the only one I recognized yeah. that I could see either. And so I was like, yeah, Witness and some other things. <laughs> like that was, that was what my note said. <laughs> um, Val Kilmer plays Iceman, and he is Batman from Batman Forever. He was in Tombstone, Top Secret. He's been in plenty of stuff. We like yeah. Val Kilmer. Tom Skerritt was Viper, and Tom Skerritt has been an alien contact, but I remember him most uh, from Picket Fences. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And then um, someone that we've talked about our love on this podcast uh, multiple times, Michael Ironside. He plays Jester. Uh, he's someone I know we've we've cast in multiple things, mm-hmm. I believe, before, just because we, we love him. We love his voice, but um, he was in Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and then this movie are his, his biggest things, at least for me. But he's done tons yeah. of things. Um, he's yeah. in, uh, what was that? We talked about him a little bit in, uh, what was that? What was that underwater Star Trek ripoff? <laughs> Sequest. Sequest, yeah. Wasn't he in like the third season of that one? Was, yeah. Yeah. I think he was also in, wasn't he in True Blood? Am I thinking of the right person? Uh, maybe. I've never seen True Blood. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. Uh, and then I want to call out also James Tolkien plays Stinger, who we all remember James Tolkien as the uh, principal in Back to the Future. Yeah. And love it. And so. And he was also in Masters of the Universe? Yes, he was in Masters. We did talk about him in Masters of the Universe. That's right. He played the same character in all three of these movies. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, just a little, one little side note about this film. It is the highest grossing movie of 1986. Yes. Which I yeah. thought was pretty interesting. Definitely is. We get into it. We start off, we get opening credits, um, and we also get a little bit of text telling us on March 3rd, 1969, the United States Navy established an elite school for the top 1% of its pilots. Its purpose was to teach the lost art of aerial combat and to ensure that the handful of men who graduated were the best fighter pilots in the world. They succeeded. Today, the Navy calls it Fighter Weapons School. The Flyers call it, and then big letters, Top Gun. So dramatic. <laughs> but we hadn't had a we hadn't had like an opening text like this in a little while, so I hadn't had to have a yeah. a use for my nice dramatic voice. <laughs> so. And one funny thing, they don't actually call it the wep- the Fighter Weapons School anymore. It's apparently called the you know United States Navy Strike Fighter Tactics Instructor Program. Oh. Apparently, it's still called Top Gun. For most people, so yeah. Which incidentally, if you're a staff member uh, at Top Gun and you quote this movie, you are fined five dollars. <laughs> really? Yes. That's a shame. I would just hope that this movie is, you know, uh, is quoted at all times. I'm sure right after the movie it was fine, and then it got really, really old, and now they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so as the credits continue, we start seeing kind of jets pulling out and being prepped. It's getting pretty excited, and then we get. Danger zone!
Ugh. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny Loggins. This song gets started. We kind of get in the montage of all that stuff going on. This song is freaking fantastic. It is. And originally, it wasn't going to be Kenny Loggins doing this. Uh, I, yeah, I think I remember hearing that. Do you know who, who was originally it was going to be? Uh, there were, uh, they had approached Toto, and they had approached uh, Ario Speedwagon. Okay, I think I remember hearing the Toto one, but that makes total sense. Yeah, okay. And then, you know what? I think Toto would have done a good job. I'm not so sure on Ario Speedwagon, but right. dude, the Loggins. Kenny Log, man. That guy's awesome. And it's funny because how he how he even got involved with this with this film was they needed you know they wanted songs for the movie and so this and this is something I heard from Kenny Loggins himself not personally just in an interview. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, holy shit, are you best friends with Kenny Loggins? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> just in an interview he was he was given. Okay. You know, people were they were they were asking song, different songwriters to to write songs for the movie. So they, I think they showed a cut of the movie to these guys and everyone was like you know trying to write songs for all the big moments and he decided to make sure he got in he wrote a song for a moment no one would think of and he did the volleyball scene which is why we get the playing with Mm. the boys song when the volleyball scene happens that's how he got initially into the movie and then when toto or naria speedwagon fell through with the other one they were like oh kenny will you mind just doing this one too and so that's how he ended up doing danger zone very cool that's way to he just logins himself right in there love that (laughs) on top of this being the best-selling movie of 1986 this was the best-selling soundtrack that came out of 1986 as well. I believe that for sure. Also, this was the, yeah, this is the ninth best-selling soundtrack of all time, uh, at least in the U.S., I imagine. And Danger Zone peaked number two on the Billboard Hot 100. So that was a hell of a, a choice for him to, to get, write that song. That was good. Yeah. Um, I guess he didn't write that song. He just performed it. But uh, <laughs> all right. So we are in the Indian Ocean. We're, at, we're on an aircraft carrier. Uh, apparently, there's two unidentified Russian fighter jets uh, in the area, we meet Maverick and Goose. Uh, we also kind of briefly meet Cougar and Merlin. You know that they're out there flying around, and there's a kind of a quick little flight chase scene going on. Uh, some back and forth with that. Some good editing, fun. You know, we can kind of get into some action right away, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Maverick is able to scare one of one of them away with you know locking him down on uh, you know his missile lock, and that scares him out. And then the other Mig has Cougar and Merlin in his in his sights and has lock on them and they're all freaked out. Cougar is just freaking the hell out right now. Maverick, you know, kind of gets behind him and then he decides to do this ridiculous thing, (laughs) which is super awesome. And he inverts the plane and goes right above him and then flips him the bird, (laughs) (laughs) which apparently freaks out the MIG. And uh, he apparently bugs out. I will say, I mean, I love, you know, that's a classic kind of spot already. I'm going to probably say classic a hundred times already with this, with this movie, but you know, it's, it's a, cool idea but like re-watching it like especially the shot where you see the two fighter jets you know the close-ups of right those things one person on top of the other it looks dated it just doesn't look like a very good graphic and it looks obvious that it's bs right but for suspension of disbelief it's pretty freaking cool <laughs> so i, I just kind of since we're already talking about flight scenes and stuff like that, i want to mention so a lot of this movie a lot of the story of the movie, especially the story of the flight scenes, was really done in post. Mm. Um, apparently, uh, a lot of the dialogue was changed when they came back to do ADR after they had finally edited the the fight scenes because they had such an issue. Oh yeah, with edit with the with you know being able to you know video or you know record these flight scenes that they basically they edited them together and then came up with a story as they were doing it and then had to rewrite lines and have it change in ADR. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes so much sense because, I mean, they're wearing those masks. They can say literally anything and it doesn't ma- I mean, you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about syncing up 
um, you know, unless you're, you know, pulling their mask off, but then you're going to st- stick with the dialogue. But you, yeah, you can absolutely write whatever you want, you know, in post or create the story because you can have them say whatever, which is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, uh, very famously, if you've ever um, seen any sort of behind the scenes or, or stuff about this, you know, a lot of the fight scenes were done with models. Some were done with planes, mm-hmm. but a lot of the, any of the shots of planes blowing up, those are models. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to blow up a million dollar plane. <laughs> I mean, right, even exactly. on this budget, I don't exactly. think. And then uh, I'm just kind of, these are coming to my brains now, so I'm just going to kind of mention them since we're talking about the fight scenes. Anytime where you see like what looks like the plane shaking, it's actually the camera shaking. That makes sense. Good old Hollywood tricks. Yeah, what they did was they attached a drill to the camera and then offset a weight so that it wouldn't shake at an even level. And then they would just run the drill, which Mm -hmm. would make the camera bounce up and down. So it looks like, you know, whoever's in the airplane is the one shaking, but it's not. They're just sitting in a mock-up of the cockpit being filmed, and then the camera's shaking around it. And there's probably just a, basically like a projection screen behind them or something like that that is just playing air whatever. I don't think at this time they probably weren't using um, green screens, but they were probably having green or blue screens, but they were probably just had like some video behind them is my guess. Maybe. I think I remember seeing uh, some pictures of it, and I actually think they were outside. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I mean, when it's that shaky, yeah, and, and a lot of it was at an up angle, so you would see, you would just see sky behind mm-hmm. it. Yep, yep, totally makes sense. Well, good factoids. Cougar though, he doesn't like the factoids, John, because he's freaking the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, they're apparently low on gas, and he's not responding. He's being non-responsive. Period. Maverick is about to land, you know, because they he got him out of the jam, but he hears that his fellow man is in trouble, so he says fuck it, and he flies, and he um, instead he goes and helps him, and he he kind of gets on his wing, and he brings him back. You're okay, Cougar. Just stay on my wing. I'll take you all the way in. Just stay with me. We see that Cougar quits. You know, he can't handle it anymore. Goose and Maverick go in to see Stinger, who's James Tolkien. Honestly. I love James Tolkien. He's fantastic, and he just gives it to him right now. You know, he's yeah. just—he's just the best at like, at really just like fucking giving it to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> if you need that kind of guy, James Tolkien is the man. And in my opinion, we get one of the best lines of the entire movie, where he tells Maverick, "Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash." That's just a fucking classic line. I think throughout this movie, we're going to find that the amount of quotes and quotable lines um, it's just going to be I don't know that we've covered a movie yet that has more quotable lines than Top Gun I mean I'm sure there are some that are close but man yeah and and if not more quotable lines than quoted more often because I hear more quotes from Top Gun than I think almost any other movie Mm -hmm. I've ever seen (laughs) yeah it is a there's a quite a bit you go through it and just like oh yeah fuck that line (laughs) oh yeah fuck that line yeah it's it's yeah we're gonna say that we're gonna say classic line or you know iconic or whatever a hundred times in this podcast i imagine um or synonyms of them uh, because yeah and and just you're you're dead on there's so much good dialogue in this film so um i do do not want to skip <laughs> i love that one of the things that james tolkien uh, calls maverick on is apparently he banged one of the admiral's mm-hmm. daughters <laughs> which is just funny I mean, we also we get a lot of stuff about maverick i mean in this scene you know it is kind of Funny, us as an audience, we're not told immediately about it, but we're kind of, as in this chewing out, we're getting some things about Maverick, and we're also seeing it, which I think is good storytelling. You know, we see he is very impulsive. We see that he doesn't always listen to command. He does whatever the hell he wants. Um, and we also get, you know, okay, he's a bit of a ladies' man. He's banging a daughter of, the, of an admiral. Um, he also, we also hear a line about a flyby right, right here. 
which is awesome, you know, and that will come back and have payoff multiple times. Um, but it just kind of like plants a little seed in that one. So it's like, yeah, the, the writing in this film is really good. Uh, but even with Maverick's attitude, Stinger's got to send somebody to, to the Top Gun school. So he's going to send Maverick and Goose because Cougar has, uh, is, has left. And we do get some cool stuff. I, Tom Cruise looks badass. <laughs> and when he's on his motorcycle and he's like, you know, he's driving through, you know, Danger Zone comes back up. Um, you know, he's kind of looking at, you know, we see these big jets around him and he's just he's flying here he's you know on his motorcycle just going quick at um miramar where the top gun school is it's just he looks awesome i'm not gonna lie i mean tom cruise he does look cool i know he's nuts and i know you know the guy's got his own issues or whatnot but back in 86 man yeah that guy was he was on top of the world and then he looked it so we see jester and iceman and viper and the rest of the people you know at the top gun school we immediately get tension uh, between maverick and iceman you know they kind of it seems like a lot of these people have heard of each other or knew each other so maybe i'm sure yeah maybe i guess there's not all that many top tier fighter pilot guys in the navy and so at least they all seem to know each other enough i do like that there's uh, at one point iceman basically says well you know the runners up plaque uh, is down in the ladies' room, and Goose gives this massive fake laugh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, you kill me. You really don't. <laughs> Anthony Edwards is so comical in this film. Yeah. I, you can't help but love him. I know. Um, oh, you know, I was thinking, he don't need to do more comedies. You know what we didn't mention when we listed his, his other accolades was uh, he was in the Nerds movies. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds, of course. Yeah, he was very comical in that one, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, good call on that. We then go, we're at some club, and again, Goose and Maverick, you know, are there, and they are there and have some drama shit with uh, Iceman and, and his Rio slider, which I kind of forgot that the person who sits in the back is called your Rio, mm-hmm. um, and I don't really know what, I don't really know what they do other than they're kind of like watching your back and whatnot. In my head, I always thought that it was basically like, oh, they could also fly the plane if they needed to, but it doesn't look like they have controls. Um, or it doesn't seem like they have controls because otherwise some of them would just take control at times. Well, okay, so Rio stands for Radar Intercept Officer. Okay, so they're really paying attention to the radar and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Well, I had no idea that that's what it stood for. And that's, <laughs> that's cool. I was just like, oh, it says Rio. I have no idea. I thought it was just like another cool nickname. They, this is a movie with nothing but nicknames, John, so I just, <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Yeah. One thing I want to mention, the tension, particularly in this scene at this club, like Maverick and Iceman are so close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's gone beyond tension and it is it's a sexual tension almost <laughs> between the two of them at this point. You know, which is just kind of interesting. I mean, this movie has a whole I think gay cult following yeah, I think is a pretty legit way to put it between this just them two in general as well as, you know, you'll get them later in like the lo- all the different locker room scenes and of course the volleyball scene. Right. I think it's all pretty interesting. So still at the club, Maverick sees, uh, you know, this woman played by Kelly McGillis. And, you know, he wants to hit on her. So what does he do? He grabs the microphone. And it's obviously something him and Goose have rehearsed. But apparently all of the other <laughs> officers there start, you know, joining in. And they uh, serenade her with, you've lost that loving feeling. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby. But baby. 
Which is a great song by the Righteous Brothers. It is fantastic song. I know, I, now I haven't tried this as an actual pickup line, but I've certainly, like with a group of friends, sung this to a girl at a bar. It's usually like a girl that we know or something. Oh, okay. It is something that I feel a lot of people do, and you people sing this, you know, in a group to, to females you know, thanks to this film. Right, of course. I'm sure the ladies don't really, really appreciate it. Um, or most of them are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, especially if they haven't seen Top Gun, they don't <laughs> right. get it. But, um, all right, so Maverick, he's trying to hit on Charlie, but uh, that does not go too well. I will say it goes a little too far when he goes into the bathroom to follow her in there to try and keep hitting on her. She takes it very much in stride. She's obviously, you can tell, is used to guys hitting on her right maybe even used to guys coming into the bathroom to hit on her but <laughs> you know i thought i thought that was a bit inappropriate uh particularly i guess it just in today's climate and to you know right seeing it through the eyes of today incidentally the man that uh, she was meeting up with the older gentleman as it were um the guy in the in the film who she meets up with is a guy named pete Pettigrew, who is the real life viper Oh, okay. That's badass. Yeah, the guy that she, Maverick was like, oh, you watch out for the old person. Yes. Yeah, that's, oh, that's awesome. So he, and he was the, uh, he was the technical consultant on the film and was a real life Top Gun instructor. That's cool. That's awesome that they did that as a cameo. Which is actually also why uh, Maverick's real name is Pete Mitchell. Originally in the script, it was Evans Mi- Evan Mitchell, and they changed it mm-hmm. to Pete as an honor to Pete Pettigrew, who was the technical oh, consultant. That's very cool. Uh, the next day at uh, at Top Gun, Charlie shows up. Oh, shit. Apparently, she is an aviator specialist. She's not in the Navy, uh, but she is a citizen who knows a shit ton about all that stuff, and she is a contractor with the Navy. Okay, here's what I want to know. It sounds like, all throughout this film, it sounds like her specialty is in, like, avionics or mm-hmm. uh, maybe aviation technology or engineering or, you know, mm-hmm. str- strategy or something. But no, she has a PhD in astrophysics. Oh, is that? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, eh. I, I okay. mean. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. I Maybe I'm way off, but that does not, I don't know if that really seems like it really fits. Because that's astrophysics is like the physics of space. Yeah, but maybe, I mean, it's just the physics of not outside of Earth space. It probably might also count with regular space, too, and just how it works. I'm sure they kind of tie. I mean, it's like, (laughs) oh, you got a biology degree, but you eventually you became a, you know, vet tech or or a veterinarian or something or as opposed to I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that. I don't know, John. (laughs) I think like they could have come up with something better than Ph.D. in astrophysics. Yep, yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, so she, but she's talking about you know all this stuff with a Mig, and I do like the cockiness of Maverick and Goose right here. Uh, they, mm-hmm. I mean, they, their chemistry is awesome together. I will say, yeah, the way that Maverick says I did this, and Goose is like, hey, we, <laughs> and then and then he kind of <laughs> keeps kind of correcting her, like Maverick kind of keeps going that, and they, it's like it's like a, a damn rehearsed sketch really i mean i know right. it's written but like the way it comes across is that they <laughs> that they do this kind of thing to people all the time but he talks about you know how he was doing this dive and how the mig is um i guess even better than they thought and shit like that so uh but it's 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 a great little i think bromance scene between at least like seeing yeah. their dynamic makes me really happy well i see that like like they really seem like brothers like they grew up together yeah I would agree. I like to think that you and I are the Maverick and Goose of the podcasting world. Admittedly, I am I was, most likely Goose. 
<laughs> I mean, I was about to say, I don't know if we're as good of a dynamic as them, but let's go with that. Okay, I'll okay. take it. I mean, I want to be Iceman because he fucking wins. Um, but you know, and I don't want I don't want you to die, John. Shit, don't be don't be the goose. <laughs> you can be Slider. We both survive. How about that? Okay. Corey can be Goose. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Corey. Suck it, Corey. Uh, all right. So there's a training exercise uh, flight against Jester, and we get some good flying action here. The, really, the, the takeaway for me is Maverick does a sweet move where he hits the brakes and Jester flies on by, and he ev- eventually gets missile lock. Apparently, he went you know below the hard deck, which means that they they had like a set elevation that they sh- couldn't go under, and they apparently mm-hmm. did go under, and and that's where they got him. So it's kind of it's it's allegedly null and void or whatnot, but he still got him. Uh, and, and then he to celebrate that he got Jester, he does a uh, flyby at the tower, which you know. Which is funny. It's awesome. He he requests it. It gets denied. He does it anyway. He makes this dude spill coffee. It's funny. It's awesome. Apparently, Iceman also got Jester. We just kind of keep hearing how awesome Iceman is. Um, so he's really, obviously, a very good flyer as well. Uh, yeah, there's the bitching about the hard deck. You know, they're in the kind of like the locker room area. Iceman tells Maverick, you know, that he's basically that he's too dangerous. And I love Maverick's response. Where it's like, I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Ice man, I am dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that paw, that pause always gets me. Yes, the Ice Man. And then we get that weird, but for me, iconic Val Kilmer bite that he does right after. I have no idea what the hell that was about or why they kept that in or put that in or whatever. You know, maybe, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Val Kilmer was just stretching his jaw as a warm-up before the scene. And then they just like, ooh, this looks funny. Let's let's have him do a bite at, uh, at Matt. I don't know, but it was, it was interesting as a retort, I will say. <laughs> Uh, in Viper's office, the tower guy obviously is pissed about the flyby, um, and they have a you know explain. Be, uh, Goose and Maverick have to explain as to why they went under the hard deck, and they they get chewed out honestly um, by Viper and Jester. Um, but after they leave, uh, we learn that Viper flew with Maverick's dad. Uh, we also get you know the very logical question, in my opinion, that he asks. He asks Jester, "If we went into battle, would you want him with you?" Which mm-hmm. is you know. A, he's a he's a recluse. He's a he's a maverick, if you will. You know, sometimes you do have to kind of question. You know, yeah, you're that good, but are you too much of a lone wolf, and you're not going to watch out for the team? Which is, you know, happens with a lot of players on sports teams or stuff like that. You know, you might be super talented, but if you can't work well with your teammates, then you're fucking out of there. So they're yeah. just not sure right now. Also, in this spot, we get a line that I actually quote all the time. I never usually get it exactly right, but uh, essentially it goes, Maybe I can learn how to be a truck driver. Matt, have you had the number of that truck driving school we saw on TV, Truck Master, I think it is? I might need that. Anytime where I'm like frustrated with my job, I had a, a buddy I used to teach high school band with, and that was that was our go-to response if we were just having a completely frustrating day. That's funny. I, I this That wouldn't be a line that I would imagine someone pulls out, but it is a funny line. I mean, delivered by Goose, who's awesome. That's cool. It's funny. It's interesting the lines that, 
certain people pull out and you know turn into a thing. And it's become a running joke with my wife that anytime I come home frustrated, I go, "I'm just going to become a truck driver." There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, if you became a truck driver, John, maybe you could drive vault, you know, do some shipments over to Georgia, and then we could actually record together a little bit more often. I'm done with that. <laughs> we get a quick little scene where Goose has a heart-to-heart with Maverick, basically uh, almost pleading with him to be less reckless. Um, and Maverick, you know, says, yes, he will. It's a kind of a short, unnecessary scene. Not unnecessary scene. It's a necessary scene. What I wanted to call it out is that, you know, to me, watching it now, those are the kind of scenes that are small, but I think they're a little bit more impactful because yeah. it's one that... I think later on, you know, because Maverick, you know, he's reckless here. He fucks up. And then he's again, he's reckless again. And later, much later, um, which I'll bring up and, and Goose is just like, yeah, I know. I, he, You know, he hears this all the time from Maverick that he's going to do better, but he never does. But he still fucking loves him anyway. It's almost like a toxic relationship, really, when you think about <laughs> it, where, where, you know, Goose is going to love the guy. And even though he fucks up constantly, you know, he just pounces his big blue eyes and, and Goose is like, okay, I can't, I can't stay mad at you, <laughs> even though you beat me and whatnot and, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> or verbally abuse me or put me into life's danger, which will come on. So, mm-hmm. all right. At the school, Maverick is again hitting on Charlie. Actually kind of subtly works this time. She plays it off that, that she uh, isn't interested but she kind of writes a whole little date thing down um and slider you know who thinks he crashed and burned uh it kind of calls him out on it but you gotta love uh, this uh, another great line where maverick just leans in to slider and goes slider you stink (laughs) and there's just there's just nothing he can do for that you know he's gotta he just get immediately becomes self-conscious right and then i want to thank the gods for Kenny Loggins again, <laughs> because we get that fantastic song playing with the boys, and we get that fantastic scene where they're playing volleyball. Come on, man, four to seven. Now we can get them. Guys are animals. And we see the Top Gun high five right there. Like that's that. They, this is the first time that we saw it. I think where they do. The high, and then they go back to the low, and it's during volleyball. We get that awesome uh, where Slider's checking his watch, and he's flexing uh-huh. <laughs> really hard <laughs> as well. Like, everybody's just beefcaked up and oiled up. And honestly, well, we, you know what? I realized we don't really get any montage shots of Goose without his shirt looking all super sexy because, you know, Anthony Edwards is not super buff. <laughs> well, and he in this scene when Maverick is walking away, we see that Goose isn't wearing or he he still has he has like a like a sleeveless shirt on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were seeing nothing but oily, sexy Val Kilmer, Slider and and Maverick the entire time, and we don't even get Goose once. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's kind of yeah, he's just there. He's not he's not as sexy. We know this, but we love him. We yes. still love our Goose. Maverick uh, has to leave that scene early you know we get a i I love love this line honestly it's a small small little line that mostly probably goes unnoticed and i wouldn't be shocked if in like the tnt slash usa cut or whatever you know the syndicated tv cut that they just cut this line out because it can very easily be cut you know maverick's leaving and goose is trying to talk him back into it and from like the distance we hear for me mother goose you pussy oh yeah yeah (laughs) just 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 makes you laugh. <laughs> I mean, because that's that's the kind of shit guys would say to each other while they're playing volleyball, oiled up, um, you know, looking for another match. Yep. So, 
It's good stuff. So we get Maverick on his motorcycle and we start to hear Take My Breath Away by Berlin. That starts up um, as he uh, he goes to Charlie's place and you know, they have a nice little dinner date scene. Um, we also hear a great song sitting on the dock of the bay as diegetic music in the background. By Otis Redding. Yep, by Otis Redding. And um, then, you know, we start to see the sexual tension is getting high. Take My Breath Away starts coming up again. And it's, uh, oh, super sexy stuff. This guy, you know, he knows how to work uh, a date. And he knows mm-hmm. how to how to really, you know, get this uh, one lady interested. But, you know, instead of going, doing anything further, he heads out and he uh, heads back. I mean, he leaves them wanting more. This <laughs> is better. Th- I could not do this. You know, I'm one, I'm not as good looking as Tom Cruise. But I don't have that kind of knowledge and willpower to like, oh, hey, I'm going to leave you wanting more. I got to go shower back at home and just head off in my motorcycle. I'd be like, you want to you have sex, please? I'll take, I'll take sex, please. Now, granted, I don't think I would get into that in this, into this entire situation as, as he has. But I'm much more awkward, I think, with a date than he is. <laughs> then back at the school... They uh, they kind of run into each other on an elevator. This to me, the scene um, was interesting. I don't think it was really necessary. It looked like it was a, a pickup shot, honestly. It, it, because it, it was just it was okay. I mean, one hundred percent looked like it. You know, her also her having that hat on was kind of strange. Well, and here here's why. This was shot you know well after principal photography had finished. Her hair was another color for a different role. Okay, and his hair so was that a wig? No, it, no, it's just a hat to hide her. The hair oh, color. to hide most of it. And okay. Tom uh, Tom Cruise's hair is slicked back because it was longer for the next role he was doing, which I think was, uh, might have been born on the 4th of July. That's possible. That's probably around that time. I'm trying to think of another like a role where he would have had longer hair. So I, his hair was longer, so they slicked it back so it looked like he'd just come out of the shower. Okay. So yeah, they, they had to they had to do some finagling of their looks in order to make the, the shot work. Okay. And I mean, really, you get some more sexual tension in the scene, but I think the only thing that they that comes away with the scene and probably why they did the pickup is because they wanted to emphasize why Kelly McGillis or why Charlie is is so kind of harsh towards Maverick in later scenes mm-hmm. while she's you know she's trying to hide the fact that uh you know that they're together in in a in specifically in a soon to be later scene so that's probably why they did it um, but other than that it doesn't really seem too necessary but yeah okay yeah her her with the hat on and like the flight jacket or whatever that she was wearing is like that's not at all. You always seem to be like a, you know, like a pantsuit or, you know, right. something like, you know, a powerful, not to say, not to say women with hats aren't powerful, but you know what I mean? But like, yeah. you know, it's much well more, put together. It's a much more casual look for her in the workplace than we'd seen before. Yeah. Yeah. She was very professional looking otherwise. So we briefly meet uh, Meg Ryan. I don't even know her name in this movie. Um, It is Goose's wife. <laughs> Mrs. Goose. It's, hey, it's honestly, it's Carol. Carol. I don't know if they say that. I don't either, but I don't think they ever say um, James Tolkien's character's name is Stinger, but I don't remember them ever saying Stinger anywhere. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they did. They just gave him a name. Yeah. Uh, So, but we meet her. We meet uh, Goose's wife and his kid as well. And honestly, Meg Ryan's adorable. You know, she's she's just, this is definitely like right before she became, you know, like American sweet, America's sweetheart or one of America's sweethearts for the time. But she's, she's super cute. Yeah. So here we see at the school that Charlie is strict on Maverick and just the way he flies. But, you know, she kind of calls him out in front of everybody. What I thought was funny was after the lesson, you know, she wants to be an adult and talk to him. And Maverick is just like acting like a fucking baby, just <laughs> revving his motorcycle. And he just he just storms out and speeds off. And it's like, what a fucking child. 
Lieutenant! My review of your flight performance in the past was right on in my professional opinion. I can't hear you! Uh, but she, well, she doesn't do a safe thing, and she follows him in this, like, sweet-ass classic car. Yeah. I have no idea what it is, but, you know, she's she's got some money. Um, she's on, almost causing car accidents, just blowing through stoplights or stop signs and shit like that. Really what happens, she, they stop, and, and she's like, you know, I, I just, I don't want anyone to know that I've fallen for you, that kind of thing. And they kiss, and then we get a very steamy sex scene. And I, I want to say this has got to be one of the earliest sex scenes that I remember. Like, like I'm just saying, like, when I was younger, like, of the sex scenes that I've seen, this is one of them that just kind of sticks out, and I remember probably being one of the first ones that I, like, particularly remember. Just the very blue lighting that they had. They had very intense kissing. Uh, very sensual. I liked it. I liked it a lot as an adult. I'm not gonna lie. Like, that was like, this is steamy shit. Uh, Adam, I am pretty sure that this is the scene that made me a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this also is the first like this is the first time I remember like noticing a sex scene like really paying attention like yeah oh my god people humans do this mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yes they do and you're right but there's just, there's just something about it that stands out it's well shot it's not overtly you know it's not graphic by any means they're just making out I mean there is sensual motion and stuff like to it but like the the way that it's blue lit and a lot of silhouette stuff to it it sticks in your brain. Yeah. So, by the way, to uh, to answer your question about the car, it is a 1957 Porsche 356 Speedster. 57 Porsche. Okay. Yeah. Speedster. Yeah. It looks good. You know, I I wouldn't mind that kind of money to have like a classic car. <laughs> yeah. At some point. Back at Top Gun, Maverick and Goose, they go up for another flying drill, um, and you know when they're on their way up there, we get another great line that is super quoted by everybody, where Maverick goes. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! It's awesome. Yes. Uh, we also find out that we're halfway through the competition, which apparently we'd heard earlier that, you know, this is a five-week instructional program. Yeah, whatever. Um, and Viper this time is flying against them. Maverick. So what it kind of, we get good, it's good action, it's good stuff, uh, but what ends up happening is Maverick leaves his wingman because he sees Viper, uh, you know, who peeled off earlier, and so he heads out to go try and get him, and they have a good dogfight, you know, it's good action, it's good stuff going on right here, but then because Maverick left his wingman, Jester got uh, whoever, Hollywood or whoever, Hollywood, yeah, who he had left, uh, and then Jester comes behind Maverick and gets him. So, just kind of shows you cannot leave your wingman. I know it's a small line, but I love that they give Tom Skerritt that this brief little as you know they're they're chasing each other through this canyon and whatnot or through the mountains. You get this quick little damn. This gets good. Like so, you know that it's not bullshit. Maverick is yeah. good for a reason. Yeah, he's he's cocky and that that is a detriment to him sometimes. But the kid has skills. Yep, that's for sure. In the showers right after this, it always stood out to me. The way Val Kilmer has his chest puffed, like, <laughs> way the fuck up. I mean, you know what I'm talking? He's like, everybody's like in their towels or whatnot. And he's just kind of like leaning up against this pole in the middle. And his his chest, the, the way he has it set is just like, that's not natural, Val Kilmer. You're like, you're trying to look a little bit buffer or something. But anyway, you know, his people calling out Maverick and ominously, in my opinion, you know, he tells Goose, 
you know, that he was stupid and it'll never happen again. It's like, uh-huh, no, you know, we've heard that before. Yeah. I, that's why, that's why like those little scenes earlier, you probably don't really pay attention to when you're a kid, but now you're like, okay, they are setting some shit up. Right. At the bar or at a bar, Goose plays Great Balls of Fire. I mean, this is a great scene, him playing that. Yeah. You take my nerves and you rattle my brain. Think about your love drives a man insane. You break my will. Oh, what a thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. You know, granted, we're not really seeing his fingers on the piano because he's definitely not playing <laughs> in real life. But one thing I thought was interesting is, you know, the last, I mean, not the last we saw, the last we saw of Charlie is, you know, her and, and um, Maverick fucking. But, you know, she was very adamant that people can't know that they're dating. Right. But she is on this double date. Right. With Maverick and Goose. Like, I don't think she would feel comfortable. I know he's his Rio, but... You don't think that she would not act like that and go on this date with it with him? That's weird to me. Okay. Well, maybe she's just loosening up a little bit. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> I guess so. That steamy night, and she just throws everything out the window. So to me, that just didn't that didn't mesh with her character from what I'd seen so far. I do like the line that Mrs. Goose. Uh, would you say Carol? You just call her Meg Ryan. <laughs> Mrs. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Mrs. <laughs> Carol Goose Meg Ryan, that she tells Charlie that there are hearts breaking wide open all over the world tonight. She can tell she knows Maverick well enough that you know now Charlie, you know Charlie's really gotten his attention. So another obviously great line, I, and just her delivery. Meg Ryan's delivery is awesome. You know where she calls. Hey Goose, you big stud. That's me, honey. Take me to bed or lose me forever. Show me the way home, honey. They have a cute relationship with each other. And, you know, she does that line, take me to bed or lose me forever. Right. That kind of thing. I don't know if that's from something, but I don't care because it's it's theirs. Yeah. It's good. And, you know, the song continues and uh, Maverick and Charlie are riding on the motorcycle up and down. It's just it's good. It's a good little double date scene and get some good lines in there. We've got another flight session. Now we got we got Danger Zone back up. It's playing again, and I'm like, man, I mean, I love this song. I can I can go Danger Zone on repeat for 10 hours as needed, <laughs> but I kind of forgot how many times Danger Zone appears. <laughs> it's, right. it's like every it's like they had a quota, and every 10, 20 minutes, they got to get Danger Zone <laughs> back up. This time, he's flying with Iceman and Slider. They're, they're the both two of the top people, you know, who are itching for this Top Gun, the number one spot. You know, there's, uh, there's a whole kind of competition between them. Obviously, they've been like, they've been competitive this whole time. Iceman, who was in the wrong, you know, he kind of cut in front and he's like refusing to leave, you know, his position, though he should, you know, when he does so, they get caught in his jet wash, Uh, Maverick and Goose, you know, they're spinning and all this stuff is very dangerous and they have to pull the ejection. It's uh, just craziness. I never really liked the line that Tom, they have Tom Cruise say where he's like, what's the canopy? Watch the canopy. Uh, and then, because that was obviously ADR. And then, right. you know, as Goose flies up, his head hits the canopy. And they're, they're in the water. And he dies. Now, I mean, I've seen some kind of footage somewhere of 
a canopy going off. That thing goes, it does not go off and then you shoot up immediately afterwards. It goes off and then, you know, after a second or so, then you shoot up. So that way it would, there's no danger of you actually hitting it in the head. Right. But we're talking about the realism too. I mean, they're in a spin. So as soon as the canopy mm-hmm. goes off, the, the fighter jet would still be spinning. And yeah. so they would, they would yeah. have moved out of the way. So yeah, there's, there's that. But I mean, it still works for, we, we need, we need this moment to happen. So. Oh yeah, of course. I, we do. I can completely suspend disbelief. Uh, one thing I do want to say, this whole film was actually dedicated, and I can't remember if they put the dedication at the beginning or the end of the film, um, to a guy named Art Scholl, who was a stunt pilot, um, who did a lot mm. of, uh, he had like a little stunt prop plane that he did a lot of, he did, they hooked some cameras on and he did a whole bunch of stuff that they were using for the film. And Art Scholl was doing the flat spin and never, rec- and the plane never recovered. Oh, and shit. so he crashed. I don't remember where they crashed, but I, uh, it says that they never, they didn't recover him, his body or the aircraft. So I don't know if he crashed into the Ooh. ocean or somewhere, but he was doing a, a flat spin, which is apparently from what I remember actually in, I think a back behind the scenes thing I saw of this. It was something that he had done several times before, but for some reason the plane could, wouldn't come out of the spin. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he crashed and, and and obviously unfortunately was killed. That is definitely unfortunate. Uh, and here we get the very emotional death of Goose in the water as Maverick is clutching him. Very intense moment for a lot of people. And it is. Um, what is less intense or less sensitive is, you know, right after that, Viper is talking to Maverick and he's just like, you got to let him go. You know, it's time to get back out there. This is the same fucking day. This is this has got to be the exact same day, if not one day later, where he tells him this. And it's like, damn, just you can't let a guy grieve at all. Like that, that sucks. And, and maybe uh, that's now a- I know it's it's. Yeah, military thing. Military thing. I mean, I, I couldn't pretend to imagine or even pretend to say mm-hmm. that I would know what it would like to, to do this, but I've, I've read a lot of military books and a lot of military documentaries and heard people talk about, you know, like especially if you're somewhere where you're, you know, stationed somewhere where you're constantly going out into danger all the time, like, you know, talk, especially like Afghanistan or Iraq, mm-hmm. where these guys were always, you know, going to do patrols. There are a lot of times they wouldn't come back with all of them. And they still had to go, yeah. you know, kind of go back out the next day. So they, I think they, these guys were used to being hardened. And I, and, I, and yeah, there's a lot yeah. of machismo going on in this movie. And maybe that is definitely part of it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, sure. But you are right. I mean, it seems like it, it would seem like they would, there would be a, le- a little bit of leeway on that part. Mm-hmm. All right. But Maverick keeps going. He does drop off Goose's stuff to Meg Ryan, at least, um, except for one thing that pisses me off later. Um, and, <laughs> At the, uh, they have a quick little scene of a military trial, basically, or just, you know, um, trying to see, you know, what the fault was. And, and they show that Maverick is not at fault. Um, so he can go back to the Top Gun school. So he does. Um, and this time his Rio is Sundown, uh, who's played by Clarence Gilliard, who we've talked about before. Um, you know, he is the guy, he's in from Walker, Walker, Texas Ranger. He's been in Die Hard. So I like him quite a bit. Uh, but Maverick is too shaken to engage. And so he's not looking like he's good there. Um, and, you know, Viper is basically just like, keep sending him up, man. Just, just you got to work through this, basically. Uh, in the locker room. In my opinion, Iceman gives maybe the worst apology for killing his fellow guy that I've ever heard. You know, he's not actually apologizing, but I kind of find it find it kind of strange that not once does Maverick blame Iceman. You know, he only kind of blames himself, even though Iceman was a lot of the times in the fault for this. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. Yeah. But then not once does it come up that Iceman... <laughs> 
was on trial for this either or well, you know, I, had any issues. Yeah, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't something that he could have controlled that they could have known was happening. It was an it's yeah. an invisible jet wash that that obviously it's not something that happens a lot to the point where pilots are constantly wary of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's more freak accident. Yeah, because I, I mean you see them flying in these formations all the time where they're really tight together. Mm-hmm. So if this was something that was a normal occurrence, you would think that this would be something that they would have been you know more wary of. Maybe it was just sort of like a, a freak thing where it it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, but. If I was Iceman, I would probably blame myself. I'm the one who pulled out and they got into my jet wash. Like I, and he doesn't seem to have any, I guess he, I mean, he is Iceman. I, say, I guess that's the whole they thing. They say he's ice cold. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I always did kind of like the line or at least like the way it's delivered. You know, Val Kilmer's a good actor, you know, where he's like, I'm sorry about Goose. Everybody liked him. Um, you know, he doesn't really know what to say. Iceman's yeah, a cold he's, asshole. He's, he, I, he's, just, he's socially awkward. He doesn't know he doesn't know what to do in these such situ- yeah, situations. And he and we, we know he doesn't care for Maverick, but he at least likes Goose. And so this is him saying the best thing he can think of <laughs> to con, to to give a kind of console Goose or to console Maverick and it's that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not very good, yeah. By the way, I wanted to I wanted to give it a shout out. Speaking of Clarence Gilliard Jr., those of you who listened uh, to the Blast from Our Past podcast, especially in the last, you know, four, five, six months, will notice that at the very beginning of our uh, episode and if you listen to any other ones from the BFOP network, which I've decided Woo. now that's what we're going to call BFOP. Woo! Uh, BFOP. Uh, you'll hear a female voice saying the blast from our past network. Um, also in our uh, BFOP episodes, uh, sh- this the girl who also does the sort of the, the not brought to you by segment mm-hmm. is a girl named uh, Veronica Valenti. Uh, she was a student of mine when I taught high school. She is an actress and she has studied with Clarence Gilliard Jr., who teaches uh, acting at UNLV? I do. I remember you saying that he was um he was an a, a acting teacher out there last yes. last we talked about him. I guess at, at Walker Texas Ranger or whatever. So very. So cool. she was the member of our, our color guard when I was teaching high school, and when she graduated, she went to UNLV for acting and has taken at least one or two classes with him, and says that he is super nice and really really good teacher. He's probably nice enough to come on our podcast, John. You should use your connection and get fucking <laughs> Clarence Gilliard on the goddamn podcast. Uh, we'll. See about that. Oh, actually, it was funny. <laughs> I noticed this. This was a while ago, and I don't know when the, if this happened yet or if it's going to. But he is going to be performing at a local theater, uh, doing Driving Miss Daisy. He's going to be in that with the girl who was the lead actress on Walker Texas Ranger with him. Oh yeah, I remember that. She's going to be playing <laughs> the Jessica cool. Tandy role, and he's obviously going to be playing the Morgan Freeman role. Nice. Which I was tempted to go see it, but I don't really like Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> No, I mean, I'll say if I liked Walker, Texas Ranger better, maybe I would care about that. But right. I, you know my thoughts on that show. <laughs> well, I just I just thought it was funny that the two of them were doing it together. Yes, it is. It is funny. All right. So back in the locker room as uh, Maverick packs up and leaves, we get a weird thing here uh, where Wolfman is kind of like hiding behind one of the lockers and he goes and he calls someone and he says, Hi, it's Wolfman. Yeah, Maverick just quit. And I can only assume that he called Charlie because Charlie, in the very next cut, Charlie goes to confront Maverick, um, you know, trying to convince him to stay. One, was he a spy? Was was uh, Wolfman a spy sent there by Charlie to go check in on Maverick? Also, would she not think that that is suspicious? <laughs> and if she's trying to not let everyone know that she's fucking a student, that, you know, she wouldn't have a spy in the locker room saying 
go take a look at Maverick and tell me, you know, what he's doing. Uh, that that part I thought was strange. <laughs> I think you're reading way too much into it. <laughs> no, I just think it's unnecessary. Like, why does there need to be a section of Wolfman calling somebody and saying he's quitting? Like, wouldn't people just figure that out on their own? Like, it just, I don't know. That doesn't, that was totally unnecessary. I don't know. I never, I always read it as he happened to be in the locker room. Maybe he noticed he was packing up and didn't want to say anything. And then he he thought to call Charlie. But why would he call Charlie? Because, you know, Charlie's supposed to be on the DL that they're together. And so at this moment, you still think that they're Obviously, on the Obviously, she's doing a shit job of it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, she was she was out in public with him, so obviously she doesn't care yeah. as much anymore. I guess so. Uh, all right. So, yes, as I said, she tries to convince him to stay. One line that I thought was particularly humorous reading into it now, she says, When I first met you, you were larger than life. She met him fucking three and a half weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, she barely knows him. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I just thought that was funny. Uh, all right. So Maverick goes to see Viper at his home, um, you know, try to get some advice and just talk to him. Viper ends up telling him about his dad's death. Uh, you know, apparently that his dad was a bit of a hero. Uh, you know, it's all classified information, but like, you know, he, he should have gone back on his own. He had a a plane that was, uh, damaged, but instead he went out and he shot down, you know, three extra guys and saved multiple people's lives before he bit it, uh, before he died. So, Mm -hmm. so now he knows kind of the, this is a small little thing about his father's past and death, but uh, we get kind of closure on that at least, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Viper does tell Maverick that he's got enough points to graduate, so he can actually go and graduate, and, or he can quit. You know, it's kind of really up to him. We also kind of hear from earlier, you know, that uh, Charlie apparently, she was looking to get into this promotion, uh, so she apparently took it because Maverick drives by her place, and now that place is for rent. Things are just kind of like, I guess, falling apart a little bit. Right. So Maverick has to decide if he's going to go to graduation, which he ultimately does decide it. You know, he comes, I guess, fashionably late, if you will. We see, we do see that Iceman got the Top Gun honors, that he was the best in the school, which makes sense, yeah. um, honestly. Which is kind of nice, you know, it would have been a little too convenient if Maverick somehow won that, uh, which, he, you know, there's definitely way, no way he could now. But And apparently due to a crisis situation, some of the top people have to head out and go on a mission right away. So we then cut to 24 hours later at the Indian Ocean. We're back with James Tolkien and Stinger. Yep. Just <laughs> how perfect is that? So we get to see them, get to see him again, which always makes me happy. Uh, what their mission is, they apparently have to give some air support to this thing where there is uh, a legit potential for, you know, real fire, a firefight to happen, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, Iceman's got some concerns about Maverick, which I think is, you know, fairly legit. Yeah, I, I would say. Um, you know, he's just worried about his headspace. But, you know, Maverick was still picked for the mission. So his uh, his Rio is Merlin, who we saw back in the beginning with Cougar. Yeah. So it was played by Tim Robbins. Yes. Played by I didn't mention played by Tim Robbins. Um, we didn't. We, I mean, I do feel bad for Merlin because he kind of gets keeps getting thrown into situations <laughs> with people with some fucked up headspaces. Um, so that poor guy. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a small role from Tim Robbins, but it's it's. One that kind of keeps getting, I think, gets pulled up in, like, trivia and stuff yeah. like that, where it's just, it, it becomes common knowledge that, you know, he played the Merlin character. Um, but they're apparently on standby while Iceman and his plane, along with uh, Hollywood, they go up first. And we see that Maverick has Goose's dog tags, and he's just kind of, like, sitting there rubbing them together. And I'm sorry. 
I'm going to wave my fucking finger at this. Those dog tags should have gone to Meg Ryan and Goose's kid. Right. The fact that he kept them is so incredibly insensitive and selfish. Fuck that guy. Well, how do you know that maybe she didn't give them to him? Because he was the one packing up and we didn't get a scene where she gave it to him and they would have shown that (laughs) and they didn't. And so you have to assume that he stole because you see him looking at the dog tags while he's packing away stuff for her. So obviously you have to assume that he pocketed them. You don't think he had an extra set? I don't think so. I don't you, know. You think, they didn't show two sets, you, damn you it, John. Think, you think everyone you have in the military to go with what you one can set see. of you're issued one set of dog tags. That is it. You no. don't lose. You it. have to go with what you see and then w- anything that happens in between cuts has to be like the simplest things possible. And the, the simplest, simplest thing, thing possible, possible is, that is he fucking stole it. No, the simplest thing is that he had many different ones. I but they didn't they would have shown a whole bucket of dog tags. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> he had one dog tags. And that's it. He stole them. They should have been with his kid and his wife, but they weren't. Maverick stole them. And it's just going to make me angrier for later, but I'll save it for that. Uh, all right. Save that for the for that time. Anyway, so out in the field, you know, there are more MiGs than they originally thought. Uh, Hollywood uh, ends up getting hit and his plane goes down. We see he kind of, I guess, safely parachutes away. Um, but Maverick is called up, so they go. We get dogfight. You know, they're they're flying. They Even at one point, they fly through a jet wash. And it's like, oh, shit, are they going to be able to correct? They do, uh, but he disengages. He's scared as shit, you know, right now. But he's able to kind of, you know, talk himself into it with kind of like, you know, talk to me, Goose. You know, he's able to get back into it. This fight scene, it's, it's intense. It's fun. It's quick. Um, I did see duplicate shots, you know, just kind of watching it and be like, oh, I, I saw that shot before. Um, or I saw one that was the, expl- the one of the plane explosions was 100% the same shot, but just flipped right. horizontally 100%. Well, also the military initially would not let them fire a missile at all. Uh. And so somehow they talked them into letting them fire two missiles. That's it. They got to fire two missiles, and they had to cover. Yeah, they had to cover those shots, uh, those shots in many different ways. So you will see those shots, the missile shots, done um, from different angles, but it's the same missile, or or they'll flip it, uh-huh. so yeah. it looks like it's being fired from the other side. So they only got to fire two missiles. They had to cover as many different ways as they could once one when the missiles were fired, and they just had to reuse that those two shots over nice. and over and over again. Okay, it's awesome that they got. You know, ability to fire some missiles, though. That's yeah. Phew. I can't. I remember seeing a number as to how much they had to pay for it, but I can't remember what it was. Uh-huh. Um, I I think the well, I think the um, I think I remember seeing that the the you basically the navy charged them like was it one point eight million or eleven point eight million? Yeah. yeah, for the use of the planes and the uh, yeah and the aircraft carrier and all that. Yeah, not a surprise. I mean, that is. Those are all probably a hundred million dollar planes. Each, every single one of them. Well, you know, even at that time, they thirty million dollars planes because they mentioned it in the movie. Oh, did they? I don't. I, would, <laughs> I forgot. Um, but still, uh, pretty expensive. Uh, Charlie says that she goes. That's a huge gamble with a thirty million dollar plane, Lieutenant. True, true, true. All right, Maverick. To uh, he does good flying. He does even. He kind of does the uh, the same kind of thing that he did to Jester before, where he's going to do like the the break and fly over them. I do always like. You know, where he tells Merlin, you know, all right, I'm going to bring him in closer, Merlin. And, you know, Tim Riley, the best line that he gives us. What are you doing? You're slowing down. You're slowing down. I'm bringing him in closer, Merlin. You're going to do what? You're going to do what? He sells that line with his eyes. Yes, he does. He's, I mean, because you just know, you're, like, you see the fear, like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, but, of course, it works just like in that training session. The uh, other MiGs bug out. Iceman is saved. Yay. Uh, we get some heroic music. 
and he uh, calls to do a flyby and of course they deny him and he just kind of laughs and he and Iceman join him. They both do the flyby. It's awesome. They land. We get some great lines. You! You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. Another great line there. Um, and then Maverick does the worst goddamn thing, and he takes <laughs> Goose's only set, the only set of dog tags Goose ever had, and he throws them away. I know it's like a symbolism of him moving on and, and him, right. you know, moving past it, but like, but fuck! I mean, even if it was a duplicate version, put him in the fucking mail and send him back to Meg Ryan or the kid. Oh. <laughs> I mean, are you, I mean, seriously, that's a dick move. You're like a dog with a bone. I'm just telling you. I mean, you can't tell me that you don't think that's a dick move. If in if in fact that that was the only set and he did steal them, then yes, that is a dick move. Yes. I exactly. don't believe I don't believe those are the only one. I believe that he had several and he and he just kept one for himself. If you passed away and you didn't and I couldn't hand, you know, your beard to your son, <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be a terrible thing? You want your beard to go to your son, John, and with a beard like that, you have to keep it going in the family. Uh, this beard dies with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I die, they're going to shave my beard off because I'm not being buried. I'm going to be cremated. Uh, they're going to uh-huh. shave my beard off, put it in some sort of keeping agent to make sure it looks, and they're going to put it on a mannequin, and they're going to put that's going to be my headstone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> With the beard. So apparently, apparently Maverick wants to be an instructor. So you know he goes over to Top Gun to be an instructor. We see he's at a bar there. Uh, the jukebox comes on with the Righteous Brothers. Uh, you've lost that love and feeling. It's Charlie. They're back together. Um, you know, and then as the song is still playing, we get visual credits of ever of you know of the main people. Yeah. always always like you know the the quick little visual credits yeah hollywood needs to do that more often i agree i love it when when movies do that i mean it seems i don't know if it seems cheesy or it seems dated but like i don't know it just i like it a lot so just do it and then as the rest of the credits roll we get the worst song of the entire movie like this has been a great soundtrack and then this song called mighty wings from cheap trick plays and it's just fucking bad Well, that's why it's at the end of the credits. Yeah, I guess so. That must have been it. So, because anytime I'm watching the movie, I watch it through the the credits, uh, you know, through the end when you get to the climax of of uh, you've lost that love and feeling. Yes, uh, you know, after the last after the last uh, visual credit has happened and you see like the planes flying off into the sunset. Uh, then right before they switch to the other song, boom! I turn it off because I, I don't. That, to me, that's when the movie ends. Is right there. Well, 
I do want to give you there's there's one particularly funny thing I want to call out from just kind of I looked through some of the credits. Uh-huh. And so they gave like a special thanks to a lot of like the fighter pilots and, and instructors at Top Gun, things like that. Right. So a couple of the names that I thought were funny, you know, because they have their call signs. Uh, one of them is Lieutenant Rick Curley, quote unquote, Moe, because <laughs> his, his last name, his name is Rick Moe and he goes by his call sign is Curley. Uh-huh. And uh, the next one I thought was somewhat funny is Lieutenant Ben Schneider. His call time is call call sign is Rabbi. Obviously, I guess because he's Schneider, uh, I guess because he's Jewish. Just thought that was kind of funny. Yep. And then this one, Lieutenant Peter Kalk. His call sign is Horse. So it's Horse Kalk. <laughs> horse Kalk. Are you fucking kidding me? That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Oh, boys so. will be boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, military is a, definitely a boys club. Yeah. Um, at least at this time. Yeah. So, all right, let's go into our final thoughts. John, how about you tell us uh, your Top Gun thoughts? Honestly, there's not too much to say about this movie. I love this movie. I've always loved this movie. It's kind of one of my first memories of, of movies that I really remember watching a lot as a kid, of, you know, having the VHS, which I can't remember. I was probably, I don't think we even had the original VHS. I think it was one our mom mm-hmm. recorded off of like an HBO weekend or something like that. Cause I don't remember seeing the edited version. I pretty much remember seeing the full version. So I think that's where yeah. it came off of. I remember we watched it so much that by the time we got to the end credits, it was starting the, the, it was starting to like scratch a little bit uh-huh. like, we kind of wave in and out a little bit uh-huh because um, we wa- we did watch this movie quite a bit you know we didn't have the the availability of uh, different entertainment options so much streaming we, yeah yeah back then as we do now it's a classic movie full of classic lines and classic characters i will watch this movie anytime anywhere uh well said i actually yeah same kind of thing like i usually write a whole bunch more of notes but for this one i was just like Dude, this movie is awesome. Like, of course it holds up. You know, it was meant for adults. You know, everybody watched it as they were kids. But because it was, you know, well-written, well-done, it holds up as an adult. I will say my one little comment, there's really not enough diversity. There's a lot of white people. Everybody but Sundown is just a white person right. um, and there's really not there's no women in the Navy or whatnot and, and probably there wasn't at that time um, just as much I was gonna say it probably reflects the era yeah but the movie itself is incredibly well made it is so much fun and it is uh, it, same thing that you put it I can watch it anywhere anytime and you know what John you can be my wingman anytime bullshit you can be mine All right, and now we're going to talk about the TV show Airwolf. Airwolf aired from 1984 to 1986 on CBS and then aired for one season on USA in 1987, but with basically a different cast. Yeah, I saw that. It was an entire new everybody. I was like, oh, so that's not even really the same show. Yeah, it's not really the same show. So, I, I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, I pretty much just considered the CBS version the one to I didn't even bother mm-hmm. watching any episodes no. from the second one. The show was uh, created by uh, Donald Belisario, who's created a whole slew of uh, stuff from Magnum PI, Quantum Leap, NCIS, JAG, um, and you know this. So he's very you know big name in in the television world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show starred uh, Jan or Jean Michael Vincent, Jean Michael Jean Michael uh, Vincent. Yeah. Um, as Stringfellow String Hawk, Ernest Borgnine as Dominic Santini, <laughs> yeah. which is just, it's so <laughs> yeah. weird. I mean, I was, I, admittedly, it had been a long time since I've seen this, and going back to him, I'm like, really? 
Ernest Borgnine? Yeah. I mean, from the old Dirty Dozen. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Cord played Michael Coldsmith Briggs III, uh, codenamed Archangel. Uh, and Gene Bruce Scott uh, played Caitlin O'Shaughnessy. She had done like Magnum P.I., I think, was a couple of some episodes of that in St. Elsewhere, but I, she wasn't too familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was not. She was not someone I was familiar with either. The whole show uh, centers around a helicopter. Basically, it's a state-of-the-art helicopter. Uh, in the pilot episode, we see that um, it was uh, created uh, by this guy named um, Moffat, I think, mm-hmm. who then steals the helicopter while doing a demonstration, takes it to Libya. This Basically, the CIA hires String. I'm just going to call him String from here on out because that's his code name, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, to basically to go get it because uh, String was one of the main test pilots, which is really not all that weirdly talked about or shown in the pilot you just it's just sort of like oh yeah this guy was also a pilot here you need to go get it Th- that pilot that was one of the episodes i watched in fact it was the only episode i watched <laughs> was the first episode of the pilot it was it was weird yeah. i mean I, I, we'll, we'll talk about it but like dude I, I can't go any further without talking about it did you watch that first episode i did okay do you remember that scene where that guy's playing cello on the fucking lake, and there's, like, the bald eagle flying around. (laughs) That was so fucking awful. Like, it was so, like, crazy extra. It was extra. You know, that's not even, like, a a thing I say, but, like, that was fucking extra and not in a good way. (laughs) It was, holy fuck. I I was, like, literally took taken aback, like, like, is this really happening right now? Is this show that fucking bad that this whole little concerto is being played while we're watching an American eagle going through? Um, You know, (laughs) it was was crazy. Uh, I I rewatched two episodes uh, for this, and you know, I mean, I've gone back and and watched. And I talked about this when we watched uh, or when we talked about the A Team. I you know, some of these old shows still hold up pretty, you know, pretty okay. Quantum Leap, I thought worked pretty well. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I said uh, the A Team was good. This one does not. <laughs> no, it does not at all. Yeah, it was so slow. Like everything was boring as fuck. You know, I mean, even like the main themes, a lot of this stuff was dealing with Cold War and stuff like that. It's similar enough. You know, we had that even with just Top Gun. Right. Same kind of thing. But where Top Gun is still fun and fast paced, this show was so bad and so slow. Like I I, it was it was a struggle even getting through episode one. Yeah. Yeah. So which is why I only made it through two episodes. Uh, I watched one episode from I watched the first episode and then I watched the se- uh, one from season three, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, we'll see if there's if this improves at all. Yeah. Didn't really improve. Didn't improve. Uh, in fact, the <laughs> in fact the episode that I saw I was I was on the top of a list of the best episodes of Airwolf, and it was still just still awful. Yeah. Yeah, every now and then I'll I'll do that. I'll, I'll look on like IMDb or something and be like, okay, what is the best episode to watch? And then I'll check that out. And that's a shame. So you even did that, and you still <laughs> still did not help. Okay. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't help at all. Be honest, uh, there's really only one redeeming quality to this show, uh, and that is the theme song. Yeah, that theme song is fucking cool as hell. 
I mean, and that is probably why anybody was watching the show was so they could get that at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because it is it is super fun. Theme song was written by a man named Sylvester Leve, who was a kind of a Hungarian composer uh, who wrote on various different other movies and shows. Nothing really, really big. Um, it says that he's credited for for writing some compositions on the movie Bambi back in 1942. Oh, okay. Um, he wasn't the lead composer, so he must have just done a little bit of work on there. But there was a little bit of a difference between the season one and the season two theme song, whereas the in the first season it was almost strictly uh, orchestral, and in the second season they started to employ more uh, synthesizer sounds, which I think is what people are most uh, familiar with. Yes. I don't remember all that much. I mean, this wasn't a show that I really watched other than knowing it was about a cool helicopter and knowing that the theme song was awesome. I really had, I went in with no expectations. Um, And so I was hoping it was going to be, I guess, I guess hoping it was going to be decent because it's like, okay, I've never really seen anything about this. And typically when I go in with no expectations, I'm going to be like, all right, that was better than I thought. Or, you know, it was was something not the case, Yeah, (laughs) but Oh well, I mean the helicopter's cool. It is. Uh, it looks cool, and it was a it was a cosmetically modified Bell uh, two twenty two helicopter, which is just okay. a, a civilian ho- civilian helicopter. They just you know they just doctored it up to make it look like it was badass. I think I, I think they sort of justified it by saying it was supposed to look like a civilian helicopter that could change you know it had the stuff that would come out like all these different weapons and systems that would come out mm-hmm. so that it would sort of hide like a like a wolf in sheep's clothing type thing. Like an like an airwolf, an airwolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, yes. Which would <laughs> okay. one thing that messed with me uh, was that they have a patch on their thing, but it's like a bat. It's not a wolf. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, but apparently, so the helicopter after the show uh, went off the air, the the helicopter was sold and became an ambulance helicopter in Germany. Okay, uh, cool. So it had a nice, helpful life. All right, where do you go, yes, helicopter? Yes, until until June sixth of nineteen ninety two when it crashed and killed all three crew members on board. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Let's move on from that. I don't want to talk about that, that anymore. down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There really isn't too... I don't really don't have any too many good things to say other than I, I liked the yeah. theme song. I liked the look of the helicopter, um, which... Oh, also, apparently, they had to get special uh, FAA clearance to fly the helicopter when they had the hmm. gun ports out because you can, o- you can only be done by military planes or military helicopters can do that. Okay. So they had to have a huh. special uh, permit in order to just record those scenes or film those scenes, I guess. Yeah. Adam, why don't you kind of, we're just going to kind of dive into final thoughts here. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, the only other thing I do want to kind of mention, I mean, it's a TV, an eighties TV and they were doing some special effects. I saw like a air, the helicopter had to like shoot out a missile or shoot something. And the graphic was so bad. Yeah. It just, ugh, it made me cringe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing was cringe. Other than, like, that first three minutes, that's awesome. <laughs> Everything else was just, ugh. I mean, I don't really have anything to say because I didn't know much about it. It's got a great name, Airwolf. That's a cool name. Yeah. It should be cooler than what it is, and it's not, and I'm just dis fucking pointed Yeah. I, I, I thought about maybe I was recasting this because this is actually a show where I know they tried to reboot Knight Rider, but Knight Rider was a show everyone did love, you know, yeah. and from the past. And this is a show where I think... You know what? Especially with today's special effects, they could redo this show and make it good. Yeah. Yeah. Make it awesome. Well, I mean, you know, I, mean, I agree. Like, this would be a good cast. I mean, I'm happy with that was doing Top Gun, but let's keep this in our back pocket. Yeah. Do it for later. Or if we, you know, run out of the, or want to, you know, if say trivia moves into its own thing, then maybe we do like 
you know, we do this just as a special casting, as a, as a as a bonus episode, you know, for our patrons. Okay. You know, like, okay, like this one also thought like Night Court was another episode yeah. that we could totally cast that and that might be fun. So ones that we kind of missed, but we kind of like could come back and do the casting on our um, Patreon exclusive stuff might be a good idea. So I don't know. Just keep back pocket. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all we really have to say about Airwolf, right? <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Man your battle station. The enemy's armed for battle. It's our move, sir. H4. It's electronic talking battleship. Control boat. Head. With real voice command. Real battle sound. Carrier. Head. He got us, sir. He's clever. Against the foe or against the computer. We missed. First to sink his enemy's fleet. Win. Battleship. Done. Yeah. What now, sir? Can you swim, Nelson? Battleship and electronic talking battleship from Milton Bradley. You sunk my battleship. All right. And now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be recasting Top Gun. We know that there's a new movie Danger coming out. Danger Zone! We know there's a new movie coming out in 2020, uh, which would be this year, which is when this comes out. Mm-hmm. So this is our first episode of the new year. That's right. All right. Happy New Go Year. us. We survived into 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. Wow. We got started in 2017, didn't we? Yeah. Or was it 20? Yeah, 2017. And then, yeah. It's like yeah, wow. September. For us, man. Yeah. yeah, August, September. This, Yeah. So come this year, we'll be, we'll be three years old. Very cool. But Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> and to help you into into uh, the new year we're gonna recast this great movie yep so we're gonna recast some of the characters there's actually a lot of characters in the, in the movie that we could have cast but we mm-hmm. wanted to keep it down to a fairly manageable list so we did some of the obvious ones maverick goose charlie Iceman. didn't really bother with slider some of the you know some of the tertiary characters we didn't put in there uh viper jester and stinger for fun because i i love James Tolkien's yeah. character, so I wanted to throw that in there, even though he he has very little, you know, in the grand scheme of things, has very little <laughs> airtime. He's still a very memorable character. Yes, he is. I'm very interested to see where we go with this. Obviously, uh, both of us mentioned that we're very confident in our castings and very much like our castings. I'm interested to see if we have any uh, similar ones. I'm going to start by saying this. I did not worry about whether or not I recasted anyone before. Uh, I... Similar enough for me. I pretty much was like, I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with who I think is the best fit, even if I've cast them like 50 times already. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> no, uh, I, that, it gives me a guess of who you think would be a good Maverick. Uh, maybe it gives you a guess of who I think would be a good Maverick. But like, yeah, I kind of went with who I thought would be a, a great call. Okay, I do actually have a good number of people in there who I've not cast before. Um, but there, there are a couple who are ones going to be names that you've heard me mention before. So let's start with the bottom of that list, which is Stinger. And a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do a different take on Stinger. I'll kind of jump in since I'm already talking about it. So I didn't go with an actor. I went with an actress. She's got to be badass. I went with a badass actress who's been in a lot of badass movies. Uh, one of my favorites is the movie Kill Bill. I went with Vivica A. Fox. She can definitely be badass, and she is in Kill Bill. That's for sure. Um, she's she's about that age too, because we need we need you know Stinger's a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, Vivica A. Fox, she's in her fifties or maybe even her sixties now, so she's she's older. I would totally buy her as somebody who would, had worked their way up the 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 naval chain of command yeah. into you know 
commanding a ship. I 100% agree with that logic. Um, I, I, I like her. Okay. I was a bit more on the nose. That's fine. When I think James Tolkien, I think, you know, the angry yelly guy. Yeah. Um, you know, in that era. And who has been a better angry yelly guy in more recent years than uh, J. Jonah Jameson and the instructor from Whiplash? I went with J.K. Simmons. That That's a great call. That is a great call. It's it's a it's a one for one yeah. you know call, but like <laughs> I so. I always kind of find that there's like there's two big ways of of approaching mm-hmm. our castings. One is to do basically just a one for one, like who basically matches the demeanor, who matches the look, who can do that, or you completely switch it around into a new direction. Now sometimes you find that middle ground with someone who just seems to work perfectly with the right attitude, but I always found that, mm-hmm. that pretty much we not that we stick to, but we most of our castings fall into one of those two things. Either you're just nailing it on the head or you're trying to go into left field to change the narrative a little bit. Yeah. Which is Fair which enough. is understandable for if you're rebooting a movie. I mean, we saw what Gus Van Zant did when you try to just completely one for one it. I'm talking about Psycho with oh with, with Psycho. Psycho. Oh, like, yeah. Literally yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that was literally exactly one was. for one the entire movie. Yeah. Wow, except for the weird masturbation scene, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get back on topic uh all right so let's move on to jester played by michael ironside in the movie adam once you start us off with this one yeah so my jester um you know michael ironside's a badass and so i went with someone who i thought was also a badass but similar enough to you i didn't go with an actor i went with a badass female I've seen her. She's actually quite funny, but is badass in the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But she's probably most famous for being in the show The Closer. Uh, she can be pretty damn hard. And I think she would be a pretty hard fighter pilot in this one, or, you know, being an instructor. Uh, so I'm with Kira Sedgwick as my jester. I keep thinking of that accent she had in the TV show. She had like a really weird- in The Closer? Yeah, she had like a really deep Southern Texas accent or something like that in that show. I think so. But like she does she does not have that, you know, in other shows that I've seen. Okay. Um, I mean, I can see that. I don't know. I just have a hard okay. time thinking her as a badass. I'm not saying she's a bad actress. She's a great actress. And and also, mm-hmm. admittedly, I've also never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, she's kind of, she's kind of, she's definitely a badass in that one, but it's a comedic show. Right. But to me, that's kind of where I saw that okay. I think she could transition to Jester. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously a good okay. a, a good actress, and I don't know. Yeah. I was going to try and tie it into Kevin know. Bacon, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, at, admittedly, Adam, similar to you, I also went female for this role as well. Um, and I, mm-hmm. it was not something I sort of intended to. Um, with Stinger, I did sort of like, I want to change it up a little bit, and I went with something different, which is why I ended up on yeah. Gay Fox. With Jester, I didn't have that initial thought. I was just going looking for, I was kind of going down a list of actors, and I, I didn't look for anything specific. I was just like, okay, who's badass? Who does uh-huh. this? And I came upon this name, and I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting thought. I'm going to come back to that. Kept going, kept going, kept going, went back. It's like, you know what? I kept going back to her and kept going back to her, and I was like, you know what? I really like her as Jester because I can, I've can. i seen her play roles where she has kind of that demeanor, the same one as Michael Ironsides. So I uh, went with Carrie Ann Moss. Ooh, fuck. I like that a lot. That's a great call. I, um, obviously, we loved her in The Matrix, um, but I was actually really thinking of the demeanor of her character in, in Daredevil and, and, the, and yeah, the, yeah. the Netflix Marvel stuff they had. Because that really, like, she, even though she doesn't do any fighting, she's super badass, like, in her attitude in that. She is. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the same exact attitude, attitude. And I'm sure Kira Sedgwick could do the same thing. Right. And that's kind of where I got from her yeah. mentality. But Carrie Ann Moss is a great call with that same kind of mentality. That was the one. I was one of the ones where I was like, okay, Adam's either going to love this choice or hate this choice. Yeah. No, all for it. Okay. All for that. All right. So now we're going on to Viper, uh, played in the movie by Tom Skerritt. Um, Adam, I got to ask you, is your Viper going to have the sweet mustache? <laughs> he could pull off a mustache if he wanted to. Okay. Uh, I think mine could as well. However, I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie with a mustache, which is going to be interesting. Uh, uh, and maybe I, I just haven't seen everything he's been in, but uh, I think it would work. I wanted somebody who had that sort of older figure look to him. Um, and he's getting a mm-hmm. little bit more up there in age, even though he's been playing a badass for the last several years. I believe he, they're going to retire him soon. Um, as this character, I went with James Bond himself, Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. I guess, has he done uh, regular American accents in his that's, movies? I'm sure that's, he has. I, maybe he has, but I also, that's the other thing I'm like, oh, I wonder if he could do an American accent. Because that, yeah. I like it when, when you know, British and Australian actors come over and have to do an American accent. Yes. Because nine times out of ten, they usually nail it. Uh, he's, he's a good actor. I, I, I would be very curious to see him in a, in a stash that was, as well. That was the other thing that got me, and I was like, <laughs> ooh, seeing him in a mustache would be interesting. So, no, I, I like that one. I think I like mine a little bit better, but I've. Not not gonna shit on Daniel Craig. That's 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 good good stuff. Okay. What I kind of went with, I was thinking, you know, Tom Skerritt, older kind of figure, but like he's got gravitas, yeah. as well. Um, so I wanted someone who's got gravitas and is like you know a little bit older, uh, as you know, and would put some like you know, okay, I definitely think this guy could be one of like you know the best fighter pilots you know around or whatnot, and just and it would be a great general leader. Yeah. Um, and this guy has been. Uh, an amazing actor and i'm just glad i like that we're getting some of these older roles that we can cast like let's try and do some movies that's not just kids right. let's do some of these older roles that yeah. we can actually find some people that we that we grew up with and we know uh who are better anyway so that made me think like man i want this guy in my movie i went with denzel washington as my viper oh that's a great one i like that yeah yeah i like that a lot i i like that call that's a good i one. mean it's a, he's got all the range, yeah. You know, you know, Denzel can do whatever, <laughs> and so you know he would he'd bring it, and he would have the gravitas with it. So, uh, yeah, I think so. All right, yeah, that's a good one. All right, Iceman. It's the way he flies, ice cold. Yeah, <laughs> ice cold. Adam, who'd you, who'd you pick uh, for this? I went very one to one with Iceman. I wanted somebody who, because Iceman's got a lot of preppiness to him. Yeah, he's a douchey kind of guy, um, and so I went with you know, a very similar kind of look and someone who played like a preppy douche in the movie, the social network. In fact, he didn't play one. He played two. I went with army hammer as my <laughs> Iceman. <laughs> okay. He's a good looking dude. The Winklevoss twins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, it's very similar look. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a good choice. Army hammer is, is a, a great actor. It's obvi- obviously somebody you've talked, raved about a lot. So it's no surprise there that you'd use him. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. I like Army Hammer just fine. I think he'd work well. I think I went with a little bit more of a big name or a bigger mm-hmm. name for mine. But I basically was like, I I need a I need a good looking dude who can look basically someone who looks good without their shirt because uh, you know Iceman's <laughs> showing without a shirt. Um, yeah. And uh, there's not very many actors who've been fawned over as much uh, after he took off his shirt as Chris Hemsworth. So I went with Chris Hemsworth. Not so much in uh, in Endgame. <laughs> Hey, listen, I fawned over him in Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> John, you got a you got a little fat fetish there, huh? Huh? Like the big boy. I was just I was just happy to see a character that I myself could cosplay. Oh uh, yes, you did. <laughs> and I did. That was yes. my Halloween costume this year. And I got yeah. a ton of compliments on it too now chris hemsworth is a good call i like him he is definitely a big name so yeah i, I like that one i think i think it's a good good call i, uh, I like army hammy better I, it's, but that's fine i mean chris hemsworth is a safe call he's a draw he's a good looking guy yeah um I'm, I'm sure he could figure out an american accent I'm, i don't know if he's done one in a mo- one of his movies before yeah, he probably he has had, he had one he had one recently where i think he did an american accent and i, ne- I haven't seen it but i saw the trailer and i'm like i really want to see that and i can't remember what it's called okay um it was called like I don't fucking remember. But no, it whatever good. it was. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now the uh, kind of the only female on this list, unfortunately. Well, it's, as far as well, the initial characters was. Uh, which yeah, is, we cast some more. Yeah, so. uh, which is Charlie. Um, I didn't want to bother casting Carol because it was just a small role. Yeah. That wasn't worth it. Uh, Charlie, who is the love interest? Uh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll kind of jump in. With mine, I went with an actress who maybe is, I mean, she's she's a name. People n- will know the name. Um, she's not like a huge name. I And I wanted, to, I did kind of cast somebody who was kind of a one-to-one. She, I looked at her and was like, I kind of see, I mean, she doesn't look exactly like Kelly McGillis, but I get that sort of vibe. Like we, I've seen her with like shorter hair, which Kelly McGillis kind of has in the, in the movie. Um, and she, but she's going to be playing a badass coming up soon. Not that she needs it for this role. In the uh, upcoming Birds of Prey movie, I went with Mary Elizabeth Winstead as my uh, Charlie. Yeah, she is she gonna be the Huntress? Yes. Yeah, I like her a lot. I mean, she was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World that I remember her from. She was uh, Ramona Flowers in that one. She was really badass. Yeah, she's awesome. I like her quite a bit. Okay. I mean, I also just kind of drool over her because I think <laughs> she's hot as hell and, and she's cool. Well, like I, I, I was, I was looking at an action and I saw her picture a few times with her with like sort of not short, like like a sort of like a shorter than shoulder length hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking at her face. I'm like, God, she kind of gives. She has a little bit of that Kelly McGill's vibe in her face with that hairdo. And you know, she the the character Charlie doesn't have to be blonde, or maybe she can be blonde. That doesn't even really matter. She's good enough actress. I think she can have that attitude and and could work well as a Charlie. I bet she could. I like her enough. I like her enough. That's a good call. All right. Who'd you go with? Funny enough. So I, the only issue with my casting, I realized this is probably the first person I cast because like I also went with a one to one ratio okay. basically for this casting. I'm like, okay, you when I'm looking at you, I kind of get vibes of this actress. <laughs> and so I'm going to cast her. But I, I think when I cast this person, I'll lose a little bit of that vibe where Charlie was definitely older than Maverick. Uh-huh. Not like immensely, but enough that she kind of seemed a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more professional. Uh, I would probably lose that because this actress is a little bit younger. Um, okay. And she's only like a year or two younger than who I cast as my Maverick. But you might lose some of that dynamic. Maybe not. It, uh, hard to say. Yeah. My actress is going to be starring alongside Mary Elizabeth Winstead in that same Birds of Prey movie. I went with Margot Robbie as my okay. new Charlie. Yeah, that's a. I, I can totally see the one to one there as well. That that would work just as fine. Yeah. It, well, you know, interestingly enough, I was thinking about this, um, and I'll spoil a little bit. the The actor I chose for my Maverick is already in his thirties. So is mine. Tom Cruise was. <laughs> Tom Cruise was twenty four when he filmed this movie. So he. Yeah. Plus, I, Tom Cruise already kind of had like a little bit of a baby face. Yeah. So I mean, uh, the 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 age dynamic there, I think, largely has to do with uh, you know how young they cast Maverick as. So it it probably were, you know if you put them around the same age because in my mind like the top fighter pilots are not necessarily in their younger years they're probably in like yeah. their at the earliest late twenties and into the thirties mm-hmm. are probably when they're their prime. That's what I would think so too. Exactly. 
So I, that is, which is also why I, I kind of justified that as my decision to not go with a younger cool. person for Maverick. All right. So now we're on to Goose. Um, right. I'll let you take this. Who one are we gonna first. kill? We we gotta <laughs> let someone die. Yeah. And we're we're casting this person to die. Uh, my call for Goose. You know, I wanted somebody who I thought you, you gotta have to have someone who can be funny because Goose is very funny. Yeah. Also, kind of has to have that babyface look just because to me anthony edwards not like not like babyface like tom cruise babyface but like i don't know i guess like a family man but you're still you just seem like an innocent nice dude so i want someone who i think has that look to him um he's about the same age as my maverick and all that kind of worked out pretty well too and i've seen him he's been funny he was funny when he was spider-man he was probably maybe I don't know. I haven't hated any of the Spider-Men. This guy's movies were probably the worst, but I don't think he was a bad Spider-Man. My goose is Andrew Garfield. Okay. Interesting. How old is Andrew Garfield now? Is he in his 30s already? He's like, yeah, he's in his 30s, I think. I don't really have a, a, a reaction to that. Uh, shit, he's older than he's older than me. <laughs> okay. I don't have... I don't... I actually never saw any of the, the those Spider-Man movies. Okay. Uh, he was a good Spider-Man. I mean, honestly, I think... He's pretty close to two years older than me. Okay. So so that means, how am I? I just turned 34. Yeah, so he's 36 now. So shit, that's probably a little too old. But he's, you know, he's hell. He still plays kids. Yeah. Uh, I swear. I don't think I've actually ever seen a movie he's in. Oh, wow. So, uh, he was also in The Social Network. I realized I, I cast both him and Army Hammer. Okay. I've actually <laughs> never seen The Social Network, so. Okay. All right. Well, then shit. All right. I guess you haven't. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just going to I'm just gonna default to your to your judgment on that because i i he's he's a i know who he is good actor he seems like he's a good actor people talk about him as being a good actor i've just never seen him okay fair enough so um i also uh kind of had a similar thought process to you i wanted somebody who can kind of be funny because you know goose goose does play off a lot of the the funny lines Mm -hmm. um and apparently i I did read that a lot of the humor was actually sort of just like was created on the set because the 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 script was actually pretty skeletal so a lot of these guys were kind of joking around which is what made you know made into the movie so i wanted somebody who could do something like that um i've cast him before and stuff i think i may have even cast him recently in something i can't remember but i think he works really really well for this so i actually went with alan tudyk for my goose nice I mean, I like him. The guy can do pretty much anything. I wonder. He's probably he's probably into his forties. I'm even. sure he's older, but I'm I'm at the point now where it's like if they look young enough, it doesn't. I don't care. And he does kind of. You know, you put enough makeup on him, he could. Yeah, he's. Oh yeah, he's twelve years older than. So he's forty eight. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me. But he he'd be he's a good actor. I like him a lot. Yeah. I'm not gonna shit on Alan Tudyk because he can do pretty much anything. Yeah. I'll give it to you. I'll give you your your old man cast, and I'll be happy okay. with it. Well, you know, Goose was balding in the movie, so <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> he, really looked, true. he looked older than he probably was. All right, Maverick. I'm very interested in hearing your your selection for Maverick, mostly because I will not be surprised if we picked the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't be surprised if we didn't either. But there's a lot of times you and I have very similar thought processes, and are like you know what kind of person Maverick is. I will not be shocked if we pick the same person. So I'm going to ask you, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, I wanted somebody who could who could have a little bit of fun, have a little bit of attitude, and could carry the movie. This guy is a big star. He's been in a lot of big movies. And I think we both adore him as an actor, which is what makes me think maybe we picked the same person. I went with Michael B. Jordan. Right on the nose. You just nailed <laughs> it. I mean, it's the exact same thing. He was one of the other like very early castings that I did because I was just like, you are perfect for this role. Yeah. Like I, I don't care that you're nine years older than 
um, Tom Cruise was when he, he cast this. He has got all the right attitude. He's got all the right carry. He's got, as an actor, he's got all the fucking range yeah. that he needs. So yeah, just, uh, you're right. I, 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 was, I, I wasn't I was sure since he was someone that you might have cast someone else. I thought maybe you would go, because you love Taron Egerton. You keep casting him and everything. <laughs> so I thought maybe you'd go that route. But I mean, I'm glad you also went with Michael B. Jordan because you've, you've cast him in things before as well. Yeah. Both fans. That guy would be perfect for this role. Yeah, it, he screams Maverick just in, in yeah. all, all the roles he's <laughs> in. You know, if you, you take little pieces of all the roles and you add them together, you get Maverick. Uh, he would just be he would just be perfect. Can't say anything better than that. All right, cool. All right, I'm glad that actually worked out. And I think it's been a while yeah. since we've had a, a similar mm-hmm. similar casting one. So I'm glad, and I'm glad it was with Maverick. Of all the people on this cast, Maverick was the one to have the similar casting on. Yes, I agree. The one that he, he you know, that that kind of. Um, personality you know matters the most and then we just i feel we both nailed it all right and that was our casting of a top gun reboot danger zone please join us next time for a very german episode yeah adam and john we will break down the album zensucht by rammstein if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies.